This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hooniverse Podcast with the most interesting man in the world, Alex Roy. Not true, but I like to pretend I am. Thanks for having me, Chris and Blake. Alex, <laughs> Alex, you're the one who drove across the country in 31 hours. I was hoping we would you... talk about that, but sure. I, yeah, I thought we covered this one before, but... We probably have. I just yeah. wanted to mention that. I, I'll say this. If you would like... I've been asked by... 500 people to comment on Ed Bolian's 2850 time, okay, which I've never discussed publicly, and I'd happily Ooh, exclusive make this uh, the first time uh, I hey, do. If, if you're feeling open and, and and willing to share on that subject tonight, that'd be fantastic. I am. Let's not start with that. Okay. Okay. Because, but I've got some things to say that some people will like and some people probably won't like. <laughs> so you you rolled up in a wonderful vehicle this evening that I know Blake was probably overjoyed to ride in. What was that? 1973 Citroen SM. Yeah, and that is. Is there an official color for that? I mean, name for that color? Uh, I call it root beer. Root beer. Uh, or what, what do they call? It? I mean, it's a, cognac. It's a, yeah, it's a right? yeah, it's a cognac. 70s chocolate brownish with a little speckle speckle in it. Yeah, Bron Royale, if you will. It's and the interior is this nice car, dark caramel color. Well, you know, uh, car colors back in the day were always muted and limited to you know, five colors because the paint technology was so limited. And I think Citroen was one of those manufacturers that didn't really get into bright, nice colors yeah, that's until a, late I, in I the game. There was a strange thing where of all the pastels. people to have some austere vehicle design and, and very kind of uh, muted colors, the French certainly had the stranglehold on that for a bit there. It's weird. I mean, I think... SMs only came in, you know, five a white, black. There's the dark, green, like blue. an alpine green. I never seen a blue one. There's a dark blue one. It's it's actually on the Wikipedia page for Citroen SM. Yeah, I've seen black, white, red, red, uh, and dark red. It's it's a real red. I've only okay. seen one of them. Oh wow! And Citroen reds don't age well. No, uh, no, like other reds. And then the best one I think is the brown that I've got. Yeah, I thought I saw maybe like a a, a dark green one. Before. There's a yellow, too. There's a yellow. It's an awful, another just dated badly. The Porsche yellow. yellows have dated really well. Yeah, yeah. well, I, and the funny thing is Porsche yellow has changed significantly in the last few years, too. Porsche yellow now looks like Corvette yellow. It's Porsche very, yellow still very looks really now. good, though. That's the thing. Yeah. That's one shade that really lends itself well to yellow. And the Porsche green is one of the rare greens. The, 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 I love the funny, that. The mint one yeah. It's great. Oh, yeah. that's a great color. I, it's right, It's almost Kermit green. Yeah. And I, I love it on the GT3 uh, 4 liters. It's Especially just, if you got the the, uh, the 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 writing on the side of the car and the black stripe and yeah, it says Corolla. Yeah, it, yeah. Lo- it just looks money. People call you know people call uh, the Lamborghinis the Skittle cars. <laughs> I think that's incorrect. The Porsches really are the Skittle cars. And they look more like, like Skittles that. and Lamborghinis. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a Lamborghini is already so loud as a car. I mean, visually loud. Yeah. That it doesn't matter what color it is. It's it's a very good you know, point. Whereas, so it looks like you're trying. Whereas with a Porsche, it looks like a an aspect of your character is revealed, huh. based on what color you have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. I, suppose, I suppose that probably uh, 
that probably knocks off a little of that Porsche edge that, that some right. people always assume. They're like, oh, it's a Porsche, and we assume he's an asshole, but look, he's a fun asshole. If you come in mint, in a mint yeah. green Porsche, you're he's okay. A, he's a fun mint. guy yeah. until he yeah. cuts you off in traffic. Then yeah. he's just a fun asshole. Have you seen? Have you met um, uh, the uh, shark work, shark work guys? I haven't met them. Uh, they so they do their uh, born stroke kits, uh, and they rolled up. They rolled up here when we were doing a thing with uh, the Forza guys. And uh, they came in a bright, like, Smurf blue GT3 RS. Oh, yeah. That's a great color. But it's got color. <laughs> the accents on it are all bright orange. Is it good? It looks, yeah. That's kind of cool. It, yeah. I respect uh, the shit out of that. It is the Miami Dolphins vehicle. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, it that's actually a Florida works. reference you can make because I don't know shit about the Dolphins except uh, for Ace Ventura. Yeah, I, <laughs> sports ball is not my thing, no. but I can recognize color values. Yeah, that least. works. You know, I mean, I, I'm, are you guys like me? Like, do you play with car configurators? In your spare yes, time? all the time. Oh yeah, because I there's a, a recent BMW kind of a copper brown that yes. is really oh, yes. a great. Oh, great that's a color. great color. That's yeah. a great color. That's that's a really good color if you had like the uh, five fifty, uh, the M five fifty D. Yeah, that I mean, would perfect color for that car. So great. The uh, I was playing with Audi's car configurator because of the car I'm driving. I'll tell you about that later. But uh, they have a beluga brown metallic. That's like it kind of looks like this painting that's hanging over our heads because oh. it's like a dark brown. And then you get into light, and it's like this really nice copper. Well, you know, really uh, cool. you remember, I mean, it's, it's gone now, but when, when TVR was in its two owners ago, and you could still <laughs> you could still order a uh, Cigaris or... You can still the, order a TVR. Yeah, there was, yeah, the, the last gen of the, the yeah. ones we want that everybody wants but doesn't want to own. Cigaris. Um, yeah. Uh, the the spider eyes. Uh, right, there was, the, what was the crazy, but pre, right before the Cigaris, there was the one that was just bonkers. The Tuscan? Tuscan. Tuscan. From, yeah. from Swordfish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tuscan came in uh, a, a purple, like a translucent. I remember that. Yeah, like a, a shivering yeah. purple that shifted to yellow Oh, and the green. chameleon one, yeah, yeah. 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 That was, I've never seen a the car. The Cigaris had that too, and the yeah. Cigaris also came in that orange. That yes. Yeah, yeah, the, orange. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's like, Chromatics color or something that they used. Yeah, they used to paint a lot a of aftermarket of, shit with that. Ford did a bunch of Mustangs. Forza uh, three, and when you could really do great graphics at Forza three, more than Forza four, they and you could. There were some in like the custom color section. Mm-hmm. They were like the stock starting points, and they had the, that those colors. And that really was a shame. When I mean, I love playing Forza, but I liked it less when I couldn't really graphically configure my cars. Because I used yeah. to, I used to sell my design Polizzi liveried cars in game for credits uh, <laughs> for more cars. And that was a great right. time. Well, Forza Five, you can do that. And you can do materials too, like chrome really? and aluminum and like wood. You can do like wood on the outside wraps and stuff, and um, you can do like spy camouflage on your cars and everything. You know, I, cool. I'm, I must have gotten lazy and, and missed all that. Forza Five, but Forza Four is really the last one I was really playing. Fair but enough. We can go back to what you were saying. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't recall. I just got up to recording real quick, so that just blank, no, no. Well, we blank were, slated my brain. What I was going to mention is that we were both from, back from Pebble Beach. Yes. And um, you and I convoyed with a couple of friends on the way, all the way down. It was fun. You drove the SM all the way back down, and I rode my Moto Guzzi. I struggled to keep up with you guys. It was impossible. I was riding with road and track dudes who've been riding forever, and they were on bikes half the size, half the cylinders, and half the horsepower as mine, and they were booking it. You claimed that because on, we're in the twisties at Southbound and the PCH that you'll be, you know, not that fast. You were. 
That's because that's because we were doing like stuff I would never want to do, like just passing everyone at all time. I had an uncomfortable time because the, the that Citroen SM, which allegedly stands for Sport Maserati, is probably one of the worst handling cars ever made, and is terrifying. Comfort driving that road. does not often come with handling capabilities. No. It's it's the car that where the reactive suspension it's reactive, so it sets in three seconds after you drive. Yeah, it. It's literally always one turn behind in in settling. Yeah, <laughs> scary. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. No good for that. Great, great for the initial leisurely journey up. Kind of hairy yes. on the way back. It's a, it's a one hundred and one car. It's yeah. not. God, a I would have I would have loved to take that down to one hundred and one. I would have rather done that instead of just going up fourteen hours up in the Moto Guzzi and then really? ten hours back for, on the bike. 10? Ten? Ten, ten all the way back, and that's because we were like, oh fuck it, I'm not feeling ambitious. One and one hundred and one, still ten hours. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's the longest motorcycle journey I've ever done so far. Uh. N- Again, not wanting to talk about cross country and cannonball run and gumball. However, just for the mm-hmm. record, the uh, most cura- the, the toughest guy alive, maybe in this country, is a guy named George Egloff. And from 1975 through 1983, this guy participated in every cannonball run, the real cannonball run, and every yeah. U.S. Express race. And he was the guy who rode on a motorcycle alone in every one of those races. And, and all the mo- all the movies... I've seen some footage yeah, of this guy. All yeah, the yeah. movies and spoofs of Cannonball and Gumball and all this stuff where they have a motorcycle rider, all of that is based on this guy. And his cross-country record solo on a motorcycle was 55 hours in a couple minutes. He didn't and sleep. He just didn't sleep. He said he slept twice for 20 minutes. And that, oh, to God. me, is just... that That puts him... Above everybody, you know everybody. Yeah, if there was nuts. a twenty-four hour of Le Mans on motorcycles, people would be dead. Like <laughs> well, three hours. I would like to see that. Yeah, that's uh, fifty-five hours straight. That is, that is insanity. I mean, I, I honestly couldn't even account for how he did that. Um, he's still alive in, in Texas. If yeah. you ever want to track him down, I'll he's still you riding motorcycles. Down. No, he lost a leg, to, I think, to diabetes or something. Oh. But he is, and he was for many years a motorcycle dealer. I think he was a BMW motorcycle dealer. Well, if there's one bike you want to take across the country, it'd probably be a BMW. I think he took many different bikes. BMW certainly one time. I, one time I was invited by BMW to speak at uh, their annual dealer convention in Vegas, and I showed them clips from the 32-hour, 7-minutes film, and a few people asked me about who that guy was, and I mentioned Jordan Egloff's name, and he hasn't been a dealer probably for 25 or 30 years. Every single person at BMW knew who he was. And he's definitely one of these unsung heroes of American... Motor culture. Autumn, yeah, 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 it's one of those names that if you're really a motorsport geek at all, you probably have heard it. But like me, I was like, I know I've heard yeah. that name before, yeah, but it too. wasn't ringing the exact bell. You know, I got a call maybe three or four years ago. I got a couple emails from guys who did like the Iron Butt Challenge and other motorcycle events. Yeah. I have no real connection to, to, to two-wheel riding because I'm a terrible rider and I did it for about five minutes. But I got a call from a guy. Cause I, I give my number if someone who wants any – suggestions for long distance stuff and he says to me Alex Roy I really want to come have a drink with you I'm like well where are you are you in Alaska where you live no 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 I mean I'm right below your apartment in New York and uh, the guy apparently had just set the solo motorcycle record from Alaska to Key West mm-hmm. and he had done it in uh, 78 hours with a couple of naps Ugh, and wow I went down tired just hearing that I went downstairs to my apartment in Manhattan and he had just, after completing it, slept for six hours and driven from Miami to my house to talk to me. So I went downstairs. Well, he and drove. Him. So yeah, I guess he just couldn't. You know, people can't stop. He was wearing a, a and he proudly showed me. He was wearing a NASA branded 
uh, jumpsuit, which had pockets on the limbs. And what he had done to practice doing this was he had done some solo drives around wherever he lives, in, I think in Jersey where he lives, and he had put weights in all the limbs, which is what the astronauts do to train to simulate, uh, you know, right. and to simulate their, their muscles. And then when he went on the real drive, he packed all those pockets with the equivalent weight in food. Huh. And so by the end of the drive, the pockets were empty and he felt lighter and more. Yeah. He had taken, I believe, an oil barrel – um, and cut it in half and then welded it with some kind of funnel to the fuel tank and then he would rest his chin on it and put his arms around it on like kind of armrests to get to the handlebars. So and, he was like just laying on his bike. And it was uh, a Yamaha, uh, some kind of Yamaha. Right. I, forget, I wish I had more details. And when this guy looked at me, he looked at me like I was some kind of hero. I looked at him and I'm like, I'm a pussy. <laughs> this guy's the I man. did this inside of a German luxury car. Yeah, 77 hours on a motorcycle, even with brakes. You're nuts. Yeah, yeah really. And it's funny, too, because after I put 14 hours on that bike, and I felt, like a, I felt like I was insane for doing that, I went right to that BMW dinner at the BMW Villa, and the valets were like, you can park that yourself anywhere. <laughs> Must I? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. By the way, I, I will say this, though. It, I would have ridden 24 hours just to get to Pebble Beach because doing the whole Monterey Car Week with a motorcycle is like having a VIP pass anywhere. That's right. You, you, will, you will go th- – you will – Cut through track. I, I lane split for 15 minutes on Carmel Valley Road. Wonderful. I uh, I parked anywhere. I rode through the gates. Just I just rode through the resident alley, and they didn't really care. And then I parked at the corkscrew at Laguna Seca, and a guy in a BMW flipped me off. And that was hilarious. Uh, I'm very jealous because I was stuck in traffic almost the entire weekend. So yeah. Because yeah, it's I, really gotten big. So It's... I don't know. Well, it's, next time I'm gonna I'm gonna find a friend and have make sure he brings a trailer. Well, let me ask you this: so yeah. if you were civilians, not car journalists, mm-hmm. would you rec? Well, all right. Well, first of all, would you recommend to like a civilian to make the trek Absolutely. to Monterey? For Absolutely. The if you if you love love cars, especially really old cars, you're never gonna find a better selection than there. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, is if you if you've got the money to burn, because it's not cheap to go up there. No, it's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you how much are Pebble tickets? Six hundred, four hundred. Yeah. Quail tickets. Quail, quail tickets are six hundred seventy or something. But Pebble tickets are how much? Four hundred. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, by comparison, the Quail then becomes a bit of a bargain because there's fewer people, so you can see the cars really. Really? And yeah. also, they have nine restaurants with pretty much open bar. <laughs> and and some true. insane food. Yes. And then someone always lands a helicopter in the middle of the thing. Okay. It is stupidly expensive, offensively so. But if you're going to do something like that once in your life, that's the one to do. Whereas then, Pebble, it's a mob the, the scene with Pebble, no food, no bars. Yeah, yes. the Pe- Pebble always has like this festival thing where you can buy like a $6 water and then stand in line for six hours for like a lukewarm ca- cappuccino. I mean, they're both expensive, but if I had to do one once in my life, I'd do the quail. My, my advice would be... Buy like reserve your camping spot at Laguna Seca Recreation Area. Right. Sorry, Ma- sorry, Mazda. And uh, reserve your camping spot there. Go there with a tent, and then just go leave it there the yeah. whole weekend. And then like find your way to Ocean Avenue on Carmel. Sit in front of a cafe and just sit there for an entire. Uh, you know day. what? I get a watch better, how the cars go. I by. have an even better option for you. You get an, you rent an RV, and then you tow a couple motorcycles behind it. And there you go. And and then, I agree with you. And then maybe you park it in a lot in Salinas and ride all the way around. Well, I was going to say you get the RV onto the Laguna Seca, into the Laguna Seca uh, RV section with yeah. your bikes, mm-hmm. 
on the Friday, you spend all the money you saved on the quail. On the Saturday, you see the storks. On Sunday, you go to Carmel, watch the cars go by. Because the best cars are all coming by there for free. Yep. And then you've got you've got the bikes. So you've got a lot more mobility around town than you would if you were in a car. And you get the – because hotels, I mean minimum, a crappy hotel is going to run I stayed in a motel six for $200 a night my first year I went up there. Yeah. 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 But – Or your Airbnb yeah. a house. That's, that's a little good. distance that's away. Really I'd be curious to see what the rates are at that time of year. Yeah, well, well, they're they're. I think they're kind of fixed with their Airbnb. So there's like limitations on how much more you can charge for them. But if I look it's not back, like a hotel, if I look back to when I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, on limited budget, you could if I, I I could easily have gotten ten dudes in sleeping bags into one room. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah. College rules. Actually, skipping the quail, only looking at the cars in downtown Monterey, going to the auction for free. Uh, and checking out Carmel and the historics and having a great weekend. Go a few days early because on like Monday and Tuesday there's a bunch of smaller events and they're all free. And then you can do the Carmel Avenue Concours where it's just in downtown Carmel. And then there's also the tour. You can sit there and just see all the cars from Pebble Beach going to so tour. So what we're really saying here is if you're a young guy who loves cars, forget the quail, forget Pebble. Forget go the to quail, the Concours of Lemons. But Go to the Concours of Italiano. Yeah. Yeah, the and historics are absolutely worth the price, though. And, buy the and, ticket for like the entire Thursday, Friday practice, Saturday, Sunday racing. Buy the ticket for all of it. It's and if you're that much of a car geek, I mean, you really, and you're that young, you might be able to get in touch with with somebody from one of our many online friends and see if you can volunteer some time to to get press badges. That's true. Yeah, rent a camera and take really good photos, and then you can get like a media pass. That's sort. true. Yeah. Well, of course, we're all very important auto journalists who are getting <laughs> yeah, right. whisked yeah. away by Jaguar and Bentley. I can honestly say uh, being Alex Roy is not anywhere as good as people think it's cracked out to be. And I had a miserable time at Pebble, and I don't think I'm going to go back. Really? No. Even, even for free. I no. wouldn't go back to Pebble. What was the, what was the I would problem? go to the Quail, but not Pebble. Okay. Dude. Honestly, I crashed on couches all week because I just wanted to be there because I don't want to ever miss Pebble. But next year, when I go, because hell or high water, I'm going to go. You will always have a spot either I a sleeping that. bag or on a couch some sort. But to me, when I say going back to Pebble, I mean Pebble, the Pebble Beach Sunday event. I don't mean the whole weekend. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go, okay. okay good, the whole good, good. weekend is priceless. If you do it once in your life, you're lucky. Go more than once. It's just I, I kind of don't want to go to the Concord either. I think next year I'll just spend the entire week at the Historics. It's yeah. so much fun. I'll tell you this, though. About Pebble itself... It, the the level the the size of the crowds, and I definitely feel like the snobbery there is the snobbery just, there is yeah. like I don't like the vibe there. The and snobbery there is like '80s movie snobbery. Like it's a Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> movie. It really is. Like Back to School or something. Are you feeling like there should be John Cusack somewhere in the background yeah, working yeah, as like exactly. a waiter? Like John Candy's gonna smell a spill a beer on a Casarasa. I, I saw Jay yeah. Leno trying to push through a crowd of people to see cars the same as everybody else. And if that's how he gets treated, how 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 is the civilian? I did deal? I did see Arnold Schwarzenegger two tables away from me at the oh, Bentley King cool. last year, which was neat. He had a bunch of bodyguards. Oh, I met Jim Glickenhaus this year. He's a very nice, nice guy. guy. Very nice guy. I like I, him a lot. It, it, let us, as a reminder to everybody, if you uh, like Glickenhaus's P45, is that what mm-hmm. it is? He's then building a new thing. You have to Google him because when he was young, he was the producer of, a, of an 80s exploitation action murder movie called The Exterminator huh. which is kind of, it's a vigilante <laughs> movie about a guy with a flamethrower who goes after muggers in, in New York City God, I'm not oh, joking wow. he also who uh, was in it? Was it so it's like a psychotic Charles Bronson yeah, yeah. was it Charles Bronson it was it? right after Death Wish but he also produced another movie the guy I think was uh, Dave Jeff Wall or something Wall some 80s Ken, Ken Wall who kind of dis- disappeared as an actor right. um, he also made another I think he was a producer of 
I, I could be wrong. He did on some this big one. stuff. I think he might have done Red Scorpion with Dolph Lundgren, which is like the uh, Soviet wow. version of, of Rambo. Nice. Uh, but I, 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 I might be wrong on that. I um, think we're going to be due for another one of those movies real soon here. What, The Expendables 8? No, no, no. I mean just another another Russian ripoff of American action movies now. I, I kind of wish Expendables had less guys in it so yeah. I could, they could each guy get more screen time. There's so many guys in the new one, I have no idea how to be. I, I, I gave up I, after the first one. I'm like, ah. Uh, the first one was This is great. a walk down nostalgia that I don't think I'm that nostalgic Not enough for. action. This one no, guy, it was very slow. I didn't see it. But this well, one, so they're not this, out of action. This one guy on Twitter right. made a joke where he was like, I, I, I took, I put seven groceries bags from my car to my house, and now I'm being cast in the next Expendables movie. He's right. He's you, right. You know, what I like to see is the, the the Spanish language version of the Mexpendables. Is it done by Robert it's, Rodriguez? It's entirely. It's <laughs> Robert Rodriguez and then Danny Trujo cloned thirty times. That would be <laughs> seriously like just an army of Trejos. That would yeah. Danny Aiello versus Danny Trejo. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone whose name ends in O fighting. Like no, <laughs> Antonio. Antonio Banderas. Amazing movie. Yeah. It'd be the next Grindhouse His movie. cousin, Antonio Bandero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. And for some reason, Lindsay Lohan is naked in this movie, too. Actually, I'm I okay really that. enjoyed that. What was that? that Machete. Was... I loved Machete. It oh, was I never fun. It was fun. I did see all the Dollars Trilogy movies, though. Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Desperado, the first one. Oh, of course. <laughs> I love Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I, I, I... Desperado is my favorite of those. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to say, but the, now you've inspired me. Like, we should really do a... An automotive-themed Spanish-accented spoof of Fast and Furious called Carchete. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's good. That's good. Every movie in it is like Nissan Surus and like lifted Fords. Yeah. Like, seriously. You know. That's great. I, th- I thought that movie was called Fast and Furious 4, the fourth one. Where uh, they just know, race through that right. tunnel for like you're, an you're hour. Right. It, yeah. I just watched the second Fast and Furious film, oh, and, which uh, is unbelievably, if it's even possible, so much worse than anyone remembers. Oh, I no, no, no. That movie. I was there, and I was cut out of that movie. You were? Yeah, I was in, I was with friends, uh, and I was. I had, oh, my, right, Camaro, I had my Camaro at the time, and we were part, we were just background cars, and then uh, I was down there with uh, 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 Warren Moser's son. He had brought the MT-900 oh, down. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah, so Wait, was, was the MT-900 new at that time? I thought he was still doing the whatever The MT-900 is still pretty new at that point, Jeez, yeah. that car's been around for a while. But... Uh, I will tell you this. Um, I after the LA Auto Show two years ago, I went to a friend's house and we popped, put in fast, too fast, too furious. And I was like, drinking game time. Every time they ship, take a drink. Every in the time first they two minutes, Bray, you gotta have a shot. <laughs> no, in the first two minutes, they shift like twenty-one times, and I just don't remember the rest of that movie. You know what though? The one thing I will say that movie had going for it is that I realized that. Ludacris is actually a passable actor. He's not bad. Ludacris, was it Ludacris? Yeah. Are you sure? Ever yeah. seen Rock and Roller? He's okay in that movie. Yeah, he is yeah. actually a decent actor. Chris this Ludacris a personality joint. I really, I think he's gone back to the rapping thing. The rapping thing. But um, <laughs> oh, the kids Blake, these days. Blake, you outwhited me. Whoa. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty white, Chris. You know this about me. You know that with the hip and the hop stuff. Whatever. Yes. Anyway, you know he could he could still be a pretty good actor. You know if he. Kept at it. Just kept at it. I mean, yeah. I, not to move out of automotive, but just for the record, in that movie, the uh, police, uh, like the head of like the undercover unit that's you know recruited or coerced Paul Walker into going undercover, is an actor. What's the guy's name? Is that in the first one too? He's not in the first one. He's only in the second one. Not the black guy. The white guy. Okay. The whitest guy in the movie. Ah. Uh, you know something? I, Me? The story just ended until I go, <laughs> the story just ended until I remember it. But that guy was originally the star of Aliens. 
and was fired oh. by, by Jim Cameron for being a drug guy. But you know something? Let's just go back to what we're talking about. So Robert Downey Jr. Not Robert Downey Jr. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Too Fast, Too Furious is that that was each movie experimented with a different special effect to simulate speed. Yep. And Fast Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious is when like he's going 50 – Hits the NOS and then the blur, you know, the blur, and yeah. it's almost like a time travel device. Like you know what I'm <laughs> like when he hits a hundred, it looks it's like the opening like of Doctor Who. He's the Millennium Falcon, and he's yeah. he hits hyperspace. If yeah, he hits yeah. 150, it goes plaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, anyone who's done that, I mean, I'm yeah. trying to think of what car oh, you'd be I'll in tell that, you. that would I'll tell look you. like that at that speed. A Bugatti Veyron no, at full acceleration, no, no, no. absolutely. Alfa Romeo 4C because I drove it and I put my foot into it as I say in England and it looked exactly like that. All the road just went lines just everywhere. I have been that hearing all incredible. kinds of kind things about the 4C and I love Alphas yeah, for no too. good reason. No, they're cool. The 4C and is incredible. Yeah, it, it almost oh doesn't God. matter if it's incredible because it's so. Have you cool. driven one? <laughs> I haven't yet. I, I'm waiting. I, I got to spend an hour with it and I was just editing my notes on it and I wrote like 1,200 words because that's what a good car will do to you. Wow. Yeah, oh, that, so that's good. true. Yeah, it's so good. You know, uh, I remember when I was living in Europe years ago, I had an Alpha 146. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which the hatch, was, right? Yeah. It's like the definitive Italian hot hatch for a time. but more Kind of f- crappy, but really yeah, fun. But fun driving. But everything about it was it was a great-looking car. Why does a hatch have to be... Weird or stumpy. There are very few alphas that aren't good looking. I mean, they just they do There's amazing a few recently. things. Recently, like I don't like the Me Too shapes. For example, I don't like the Me Too and I don't like the Julieta. But like you go back to like the one five five, the one five six, the one five nine, the one the Barrera sedan that was sold here was a oh, good yeah. looking car. Yeah, the Barrera. Yeah. Wait, the one six four six or one six four? One six four. One six four. You guys have a much more encyclopedic knowledge of that. I love alphas. I just know I like alphas, and I know the few that I do like. I saw an Alfetta on the one hundred one going back down, brown one. Oh, so good. It's so weird looking too. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to bring up something I mentioned to you in the car on the way here. A few months ago, I was in the ten westbound, eastbound at like eleven o'clock heading to Culver City, and I spotted. And this is the story you told me to say for the yes, podcast. exactly. I spotted the car of my childhood dreams rolling under its own power, a vector. Which one? A, ve- a oh, white vector. Yeah. But rolling <laughs> yeah. under its own power, so it's like double the surprise. Matt yeah. is recently obsessed with this car, too, to the point where he's the new TST bumper stickers. I want one of those stickers, by the way. i got to talk to Matt. Yeah. So I'm now going to share with you the story of my brief interaction with Jerry Wiegert. Founder and designer. Yes. Was cocaine falling off of him as you spoke to it's him? Just snow. Well, I didn't meet him in person. Uh, I wanted to, but there was a catch. So he called me a few years ago at a time when people really believed I'm much wealthier than I am, and I was doing a better <laughs> job of lying about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, the, and he said, oh, you know, and I had seen the Vector at the, the LA Auto Show in like 2007. What, the, the Aerotech or, or a new one? Yeah. Right. And I remember seeing the sign. And the, the windows were so blacked out, it looked like there was no interior. So it was just a shell. So the sign is like, pick your vector. And it's like, you know, your option, the options on the car were 1,000, 1,500, or 2,000 horsepower. Those mm-hmm. were the options. So, Which so, was a hell of a marketing yeah, scheme. Yeah. <laughs> so I gave him my car, and I'm like, this is amazing. And he called me and said, you know, do you want to you know, invest in, in the company? I said, well, I'd like to learn more about the company. He said, well, come down to the facility. I said, look, uh, and I, I was an idiot because I said what I said. I said too soon. I said, look, I'll like to come down there, but on one condition, you've got to pick me up in a vector mm-hmm. at my hotel. 
operating under its own power. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, this and that. And I'm like, I'm like okay, I'll, I'll compromise with you. I'll come to the facility, but I won't leave until a vector has moved under its own power. Well, I, you know, that's really, uh, I'm like, you know, well, then I really don't see why I'm coming down there. I'm an idiot because today I would pay good money to go to that facility and see anything, anything, a motor on a box, you know, just anything, just to know. This is this is Jerry Weigert's collection of novelty spoons. How it's, many were actually produced at the end of the day? Eight? Ch- no, I think actually I read the wiki a few months ago. Because there's a W8 and a W12, and a W2 is the W8 is the one that they manufactured like a dozen of them. Right. But okay. the story that's on the Wikipedia page is that he sold one to like a B minus soap actor. Right. Or, or that. He sold or, one to or, Andre or, Agassi. Yeah, it's Peter yeah. Pete Sampras. Oh, Pete Sampras. Oh, it was Agassi. Yeah. And apparently, according to the wiki, he took delivery and was told by whoever brought the car to his house not to drive it to like more than twenty miles a day or something. <laughs> and like the next day, the thing was on a flatbed, and Agassi asked for a refund. I think he got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd hope so, because that was not exactly a cheap vehicle. No, no. But, and if you sat in one, and I did sit in one once. I did um, two ones. Yeah. And the interior is. Nuts. He said it's aerospace quality. It's no. aerospace as in like 1958 Air Force prototype. Not not even one-off. that because at least those switches are made well, from metal. This yeah. is like a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass. Yeah, that, and I love the I Switch love the gear. seats in that car in that they've got that wonderful 80 late 80s early 90s furniture like collected leather look. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, but then again. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, fucking look at it. It's, it's a vector. It's it's the Can more I curse on the show. Yeah, yeah it's a motherfucking yeah. vector. It's like, did you see the promo video that was on Jalopnik? For no. people who live, yeah, who pe- oh. for people who only want the ultimate. I mean, it is the ultimate of everything, ultimate. good and bad. Yeah, oh, it oh is. Oh my god, it's it, such it, a, that it just screams of everything 1980s. That and I, yeah, and I really love this 1980s revival we're kind of experiencing right I now. I don't with that. because you didn't live through it. I don't Wait, care. How, how old are you? I'm 32. I'm 43, so I'm talking about the 80s, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I born was in 87. I yeah. kind of really? dipped my toes into the 80s water, <clears throat> but I don't remember anything. <laughs> Obviously, well, you. Know, I mean, they, my question to you is: like, I've got an '87 Targa. Yeah. I always imagine what it must be. How what must it be like for you to go and drive cars older than you? Does it? What are cars you, have I a, driven that have been? Oh, I drove, your, I drove your car. Yes, yeah. but that feels so modern. That's the thing. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. You've driven a lot of old cars, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. okay. I drove a I drove a 1971 Saab 96. You know the thing, old car. Oh, and I drove all those Z cars and the Fair Lady. And, like, old cars, it's it's kind of strange because you want to be like, I could totally live with this every day. And then you realize you can't. And then you drive it for a long time and you realize but you probably could make two. But what is it about these cars that makes sure you can't? Is it uh, the AC sucks? Is it that the no, handling, not even, I don't care about the the handling is really feels dated? I mean, what? It's it's just that if you're, I'm always worried the cars are going to break. I mean, look, okay. my my 2000 Miata threw a rod at 64,000 miles. I don't think I can ever trust a car ever again. 
240,000 miles? No, 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 64,000. Oh, 64,000 yeah. miles but for a Miata. Somehow, somehow, always, I mean, Took a you, Miata. you buy vehicles that are known to be unreliable. And hey, then you buy, hey, no, you, no, 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 but then you buy a Miata, a vehicle renowned for its reliability, and somehow it breaks And on yet, you. My, I put 1,000 <laughs> miles on my good seat in the last five days, and it never missed a beat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you, know, you should watch yeah. how you pronounce good seat, because it sounds good very similar to something else you want to talk about in the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. Sorry. Moto, Moto Goatsy would be like something. Yes, Moto Goatsy. Oh, is that what you were going with? So, that's I almost that need is. to register that website. Ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that, Alex Roy has been on the internet. review spoof review site. Moto Goatsy. <laughs> and you take your Moto Goatsy to the 24 hours of lemon party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Moto Goatsy. happens when you ride a bike for 55 hours. Mo- yeah. <laughs> Moto Goatsy. Where I'm we really sorry, guys. Where uh, we really stretch out the truth. Yeah. Oh. You know what, though? Is the people that know what we're talking about are laughing, and the ones that don't, don't need to know anymore. No, the people, who, look that the people who know what we're talking about are still horrified. Oh, my God. Oh, anyway, yeah. like, going back to Vectors, because sorry, one sold man. at I'm Pebble sorry. Beach this weekend. <laughs> one sold for, like, $250,000. I really wish I'd seen that. It was I wish I one. could have talked that guy out of it. <laughs> and listen, again, I'm not talking about how smart I am, because I'm not. But I will say this. Uh, I always, you know, I, talking to Ferris and some other guys, we're talking about near classics, like cars that are almost classics. You yeah. Think 25 years ago, you're looking at 86, 87 cars. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my 87 Targa really does feel like a classic. But then you look at cars that were almost classics, not like... Uh, 928s, like the last 928s are coming up on 25 years. Yeah. yeah. And they're uh, still not expensive. It's crazy to think that those are classics. And then uh, you have the cars that are dirt cheap that really are classics. My Citroën is a seven to $15,000 car. Yet it gets right. as much attention as cars that cost 10 times as much. Right. So because no, not many people have the balls to run one. Yeah, it's five grand a year in maintenance. Yeah, jeez. Um, but there are a lot of great I cars mean, that are becoming classics first, right now. The first yeah. year Miata is a classic because it's twenty five years old. Nineteen eighty nine. That's right. Because eighty seven. You said eighty seven. I mean, that's when I was born. Actually, under that, that year. with that math, so is the first gen Viper. Ooh. I remember. You know, I, that's that's always been a classic in my mind because I remember loved in those. high school when the first Miata came out. I'm like, someday I might even own that. <laughs> and then the first Viper came out. I'm like, I'm going to own that. And then when the first Plymouth Prowler came out, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to own that. You and then they so told us what the motor was. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, which one did you own? None of them. Oh. But at least I had the good taste to select two that became great cars and one that was never. Yeah, owned. although that first-gen Viper was pretty rough. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, it's fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, you, came, can get, you can get a first-gen for thirty-five grand. Look at the color. Yeah. Look at the wheels. Nothing, no Viper since then it really has the power. I mean, visual and like oh, soul power. I, I would argue this the second gen, the, the coupe. The 97 GTS. Yeah, the GTS coupe. The, the GTS is outright beautiful. The it's first awesome. gen Viper yeah. just looks ridiculous. It really yeah. it looks like a concept car. And everything after that looks like it's a Hot Wheels car. A yeah. crazy sports car. Yeah. And although I will give the new one credit for as many faults as I have with the new Viper, it looks it's, it looks a lot like that very pretty second-gen Viper. It's it great, yeah, because the, the third-gen Viper just never really did it for many people. No. Well, my, educate me here, but I recall a few months ago an article in Jalopnik about how Viper sales, they were getting killed by... They were abysmals, yeah. They're absolutely in the... They're, they can't move them. When was the last time you saw a civilian-driven Viper without manufacturing I've never seen a new you one know, on the, the street. The problem is, is that they're still hairy. They're... Still kind of awkward to get in and out of. I mean, they're a lot of fun, but they're also at the same time 
not a car that you want to drive every day because the fuel economy is just so abysmal. And a new Corvette is so awesome for the money. It, it, that's the thing. Is that the Vets? I think I think the the Vipers tried the to be like refined at an actual sports car, but it's still got the old shtick going with it, and it just doesn't fly with it. It just anymore. does not compete in that world where the C7 has stepped up to. I mean, the C7 now is getting favorable reviews against ridiculous Four, five, things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if we want to talk just a performance yeah. standpoint, yeah, well, the C7 is wonderful. So, and it's yeah. I see you see one in the street. And and girls I know that would, n- you know, never even consider looking at anything with a GM badge before yeah. they know what it is. They're like, wow. And then yeah. after they know, they're like, well, interesting. Huh. Yeah. And that's a big shift for Corvettes. And then GM really wants that to trickle down to the Spark. Oh. So there's <laughs> actually <laughs> so there's uh, some news that just came out uh, yesterday that. Now Cadillac is going to wedge in another smaller model below the ATS to compete with what Mercedes and Audi are doing with their CLA and the uh, oh don't forget the BMW 2 Series and the 3 Series and, and the 2 Series. What, but here's the thing: is GM has already said it's going to be on the same Alpha platform that the that the current ATS and CTS are on. So we know it's going to be a great chassis. But they're keeping it rear-wheel drive. That's great. That's cool. That's really cool. That's cool. That's, That's going cool. to appeal to uh, young guys who actually want to drive. Because, you know, okay, I'm driving an Audi A3 right now. And the, is, the new one's the it's, new it's one. a sedan It's a sedan. It's actually a really, really great car. Because I thought I was going to hate it. It's what the A4 si- – it's like the A4, size of what like, the A4 like used to what be. what they used to be. But the interior is really well thought out. And, you know, it's not too many buttons, which is exactly the sort of thing they – tempted us with when they introduced knobs, um, the big rotary buttons and stuff. But the, vet, the interior is really well designed. It looks great. It drives pretty well. It's just a really good car all around. It's kind of pricey, though, because it doesn't have, like, a backup camera What's, or, like, blind spots. So what is the, what is the sticker on it? Um, mine tested has... Uh, mine, mine tested has the NAV package, which is, like, $2,000, and a cold weather package for, like, 1400 bucks. So it's, like, thirty seven grand. Okay. Which is like, wait, 37 grand. Which is like a 2013 A4. Because my parents and I went to an A4 Audi dealership a few months ago, and they didn't have a single A4 that was 30 grand. They were all 38 to 42. I got to ask you this. <laughs> okay. Don't you think all these, especially the German manufacturers, make have too many models in the lineup? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Especially BMW. Yeah, that's they're the worst. It, it's it's maddening at this point. What is it like twelve they're, models? Well, they're doing okay. So you have like your you know your odd numbers are the are the four doors, and then your even numbers even are numbers coupes. are coupes, and then your GTs are like, and then oh, your grand God. coupes, and then you have grand coupes, which are the sedan version of a coupe version of a sedan version, and then you yeah. have the GTs, which are the the sloping of the bay, and then you have the X4 and the X6, which are like the coupe versions of well, SUVs, and, 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 and then the I thing, think I'm bleeding out of my eyes. The other crazy thing they're doing too is they they fully diluted that M brand too. With the M7 announcement today, you see that they're gonna make. An I did M7. not see the. That oh, doesn't really? surprise they, me at all, though. That's been that talked is, about for, for a long me, time. That's just no, that's it. That's, that's it. That's it's. I mean, I love BMW. You know, I made. Yeah. I own two M5s and an '88 M6. And oh, nice. The yeah. M7 is just. I remember distinctly BMW guys saying. Absolutely no M7 ever. Absolutely. You know what it yeah. is? Is that they have, they're facing such fierce competition with the S63 and the, the RS7. S8. Why don't they buy Alpina like a like. A man would, and make that the in-house AMG. <laughs> oh, you know. Well, they have the, they're too entrenched in the M brand. That's I mean the was well, the M5 celebrates 25 years this year. That's your it's car, just, Alex. It just breaks my heart, really, because I really felt like BMW like meant something. 
Oh yeah, well and, it used to. And meant it's, something. I mean, it used to. And then it came with the two series active tour, the front wheel drive. They minivan. still, there's still gems in that lineup. Oh, still, and, there's still great cars. But, but the but, thing is, is that they've gotten very big. They've gotten very heavy. I mean, I'm thankful that the M3 and the M4 are back down a little bit in the weight department. But like the M5, as much as I've liked, I, I love the E60 M5. Only because that V10 is it's one of really the best sounding things ever. It's really grown on me. Now that I don't make it, I'm like, that, that car was cool. That motor is so no, beautiful. Not many people liked it when it came out, I think too. it's good. I think the E60, like, in the future, will become a prized car. Yes. Yeah, because, I think so, too. The motor. Other and than I've the always M6, liked the way they looked. Other than the M6, where were you going to get that V10? Right. And, and that, yeah, okay, the so only V10 I can say this, that, that might sound better than that is the Lamborghini V10. That's, yes. They're yes. just both beautiful sounding engines. You yeah. know, I really wish Jeff was here because Jeff loves to rag on BMW when we're on a podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna make fun of him a bit, but also defend them because. Oh, I think it's a Jeff. You can make fun of Jeff all you want. Well, I'm not gonna. <laughs> Jeff. You know, what I mean? I, when you look at a Grand Coupe, I kind of feel like the standard five series should just go away because the Grand Coupe is that much better it is. looking. I agree. I yeah, agree. And yeah. And the the what the 6 Series Grand Coupe makes sense, the 4 Series Grand Coupe looks exactly like the 3 Series and I, that is offensive. Well, you know something? I'm going to take something back about saying all German manufacturers because actually Audi's lineup is not as crazy no, and They've got a lot of trims the, but their their lineup is fairly Their lineup is pretty solid. I think their lineup is like BMW around 2002. A te- you know, I mean really 2002 was like the golden era of, of clarity yeah. and focus product and positioning and design. Wait, was the Bangle 7 Series in play at that time? No, that was 2003. Okay, well then 2002 was the, the golden 2002 year. 2002 was the last year of the E3. I, and you the know the funny thing is, is ever. for all the people that have always not liked Bangle, I've never really had a big problem with his designs. The 7 Series trunk? Really? Yeah, but... Yeah, really? I, that's, the, that's probably the worst Defender, but I'm not I'm not completely it's turned a car off with by a that fanny car. Pack. Bangle did set the template for modern car design with that car. Every car has flame service, and every car has goofy character lines. The CLA looks like a a rejected Bangle design. I hate the CLA. It's the worst car driven this year. Really? The theme to me, no, it's absolutely the worst car driven this year out of both how it drives and the principle of it. Because Mercedes, Mercedes designed a Mercedes didn't design a Mercedes having to be cheap. They designed a cheap car that happened to be a Mercedes. And the A3 just puts this in well, so much well, perspective. What about the old uh, C, uh, C two-door coupe, coupe, coupe yeah. thing? That wasn't the first time Mercedes did that? Oh, it might have been, but I, didn't, I never drove one. And even that was like a... I, I assume that was... But I, I'm, I'm surprised that you have that much hate for the CLA. Like, I liked, I really had fun with the CLA. CLA 45 AMG. The 45 AMG is pretty good. I didn't like is it on it better track. than an STI? <laughs> it's like a German STI. It's like a more powerful and refined STI. And there's actually or many, actually more akin to an Evo than an STI. And there's actually many ways you can get a German STI. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> what's really lacking here is that, going back to this Alpina thing, it's real shame that Alpina isn't the in-house brand. Because look at the cars Alpina does not bring to the U.S., yeah. Like the D3? Like any oh, car? Oh, that thing is fantastic. What a monstrously cool car. It's the car we want. What are the cars Alpina does bring to America? The, 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 the B7? The B7 because they can basically they can make their margins on it to make it worthwhile. And didn't they – And actually, that's something I'm – maybe just the B7. They did offer the Alpina Z8 was that's available That's true, here. and apparently it was slower yeah. than the regular one. But it doesn't matter. I know because at it one point I had that's seen true. an Alpina 3 Series – but that was probably some foreign dignitary car. You got to remember, Alpina used to bring all kinds of shit to America. It was great. They had like a million turbo versions of the E24. You have. 
That's right. Because I was obsessed with that car in high school. <laughs> oh, what a great car. I, I mean, sadly, my M6 is on blocks because it has a lot of, of funny electronic gremlins. But Fix it and I'll bite off you. Well, I, I, think it's, I, I bought it from an FBI agent, actually. That's a cool <laughs> uh, car yeah. for an FBI agent. And uh, he was a real car guy. He had a Supra, like the last Supra, fully modded. I mean, he drove that to the FBI Academy. All, all you have to say is Supra, and we can make that assumption. Yes, They're all fully modded. Yeah, I had a bunch of sports bikes. But he sold me this M6, and I put a Dyna exhaust on it and some Brembos, and I got the BBSs on it. And the next day, mm, BBSs. the uh, rear suspension, which was a... Uh, what's it called? Self-leveling system mm-hmm. with the Guibel thing. I don't know exactly how it works, but it failed. The car dropped to the ground in the rear, and it was been the shop and driven for years. Yeah, those, I didn't know they were self-leveling on those cars. It was. That's yeah. Any time. I don't know that I've ever come into a self-leveling. I don't know that I've ever come across a self-leveling car that didn't break at some point. At some point. Oh yeah, I was about um, to say because your SM's holding up really well these days. It's quite well. Well, you know the uh, Mercedes 6.9 had uh, just. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was adjustable, but it's hydraulic. It was, it was hydraulic. some funny system. Yeah. And the Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud used the same system yes. as the DS. Yes. Oh, while we're on topic here, uh, today I spotted a Bentley Continental GT, like a 2006 or seven, with Hyundai badging. And I know it's been talked about in some forums. Um, does anyone know why this guy is driving around L.A. in a Bentley GT Reverse psychology. Hyundai I, badging? I don't know. I mean, maybe he's... It's a Hyundai prototype. It could it's just Equus. be a joke on his if, behalf. Well, if anyone wants to... See proof. Go to Alex Roy Facebook page, and I have stills I took today, and I posted of the front and side of the car. The badging is on the wheels and the rear and front decks. See, that's effort that tells me that has to be almost a joke. Well, yeah, I think it has to be because I didn't think it, I thought it was a, a Genesis with a with right. the body. Which kit. yeah, because the Genesis they have very German lines until the car pulled yeah. away and clearly had a Bentley engine in it. Yeah. See, you could also get like a 2006 Continental for the price of a Genesis these days. Are you sure? Are like, they still running in like 100 No. The first ones know. are like 50 grand. Gotham sold one for Are it. they reliable? No. No. You should have seen the one Gotham had. <laughs> Ish. Well, I drove like a 2004 Murcielago that was Gotham's at one time. Oh, really? They rented out to like some rally. Yeah. Huh. And what... A pile, what a coffee what a grinder pile. that was. <laughs> I, I, I pulled their five nine nine into a parking lot once, and man, that thing that thing needed a new radiator. And my buddy, who, who's been on this podcast before, he uh, he had to order a um, he had to order a radiator from Yugoslavia. Really? Yeah, because it's the same radiator as the Enzo. So and the Enzo radiator comes from Yugoslavia. Uh, well, apparently they had a big one that just ended up in well, Yugoslavia. Oh, well, probably got cracked up and caught fire. Let's let's so. hope there's no further Russian aggression then. Otherwise, there'll be no more radiators. No more. Well, Yugoslavia no is a long way from me. Ukraine, so we're okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, just in general, they've, they've done their the trends that are going on here. They've they've done their time with communism. They're okay. They're all clear of that now. Um, yeah, actually, the one I the car that I really really want to buy, and if I can make a deal go through here in the next few months, is I want to buy. A uh, 550 Marinello before they skyrocket in price. Oh yeah, because they're running in the uh, 60 to 90. 90 for a nice one. I mean, I love that. I mean, I'm not That's a Ferrari great. guy at all. I'm but not. That a, seems like a really beautiful purist Ferrari. Yeah. That's modern still. I, I love those. I'm yeah. the farthest from a Ferrari guy, but I've always liked the the 550, and it's the last manual transmission V12, and it's the last kind of analog Ferrari It's like built. the E39 of Ferrari. It <laughs> is, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. And, it's, and the amazing thing is, even though that car came out in 1997, 
with 475 horsepower, it still feels fast by modern standards. And it, it's a classic design yeah. in a way that subsequent Ferraris are not classic designs. I agree. Although yeah. I would say, what's the uh, was the F12? The F12, the F12 is I very saw pretty. One today it looks really yeah. good. It's really great. It's, it is. I think the FF will also be a quirky classic that will go it's skyrocketing. It's the as a Ferrari line. Yeah. yeah, I really like the FF. You know what I really like? Actually, I'd, I'd do you one better and get a four, five, six because I, I, that's my no. favorite one. I, I no, no, it's not your style because yeah. you like to go fast and everything, whatever yeah. that's like. But um, I like the four, five, six because it's comfortable and you just feel like you could just drive to like Cancun. I'll tell you it. why I like four, five, six. If if you can find one in the factory silver, mm-hmm. it really yes, that's good. looks that's good. good in the silver. But more importantly, they have some light blues too that are kind of interesting. It's a beautiful blue. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I would say all Ferraris look best in a blue mm-hmm. with the yellow badge on the side. Yes, because that's good. That's, 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 that is a very handsome. You mean like that's that, a connoisseur's that, choice? That pastel blue they used to use oh all the God, time in beautiful. the 50s and 60s. So gorgeous. The, Secondly, the 456 I saw in Gumball 2007. Two guys from Istanbul drove one to London, and then we all drove back to Istanbul. And that car had enough room to fit two full-size spares mounted on rims in the back seat, seat belted in. And that's something – how many Ferraris can do that? FF. Connoisseur's choice. That and the FF? Con- yes, exactly. Connoisseur's choice. It's, and I think that is also a manual V12 too, right? Yeah, it is. But I look at it, so... It's a manual. It, it's huh. it's a man. So I want the manual. And the other thing is, is I look at it and I go, this is a car that I can probably flip it in a few years for double what I paid An for. An FF? No, 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 no. A uh, 550. I agree with you. Um, it's... I'm just hoping I can get this money squeezed together you, in like you gotta this, get one six to the, nine months before they start the rocking. Maintenance. Was that the maintenance on it? Are you one of these guys who doesn't buy the hype and would take it to anybody to fix it? Uh, because I, it's long said that Ferrari maintenance is a sham and they're thieves and criminals. Here's the thing that I'm of two minds on. I will work on anything. I have pulled anything and everything apart and have no trouble doing it. However, resale value is significantly impacted when you can prove that all of your maintenance was done by a Ferrari dealer. Okay. Um which, given that this would be an investment vehicle, um, of course, I say that I may never get rid of well, it at that the point. What about the $8,000, like, you know, hoo-ha, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I don't even no, know No, no, you're absolutely Chris right. Chris Harris has written about this and was banned for a number of years yeah. by Ferrari. Now he seems to be back in the money. All oh, right. Nice. But, um, you know, that's why I wouldn't go near there's, one. There's plenty of great Ferrari um, mechanics, independent shops, all up and down the L.A. County area. So, but you yeah. wouldn't go to one of them? I think it would. I would have to do my research to find out how much it would impact the actual value of the vehicle. Um, I'll tell you this: I'm 100. percent sh- I, I think you're probably right because, and I hate to use Citroen SM as an example. Citroen SM is one of those cars that has so few mechanics that can work on it that you have the reverse problem. Unless you've gone to one of two guys, mm-hmm. the car's value drops by 50. percent Wow. Literally, there's two guys. And if you have service records from Jerry Hathaway of SM World in Santa Clarita, your car's value will go up. That's right, people. Search for SM World on Google. On Google. If you're crazy SM enough to have World. an SM. Yeah. But, uh, and then I also get it serviced at Morgan West. I'm thinking that they're right. probably going to find drastically different results than vehicles. How come there wasn't an, <laughs> how come there wasn't an F- SM in Fifty Shades of Grey, either the book or the upcoming movie? Because their joke book was too thin. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar enough with the... Uh, 
I never read with it. With the subject obviously. matter, to be able to let's, tell you. Let's go back to what you were saying about the 550, though. Yeah. Before 10 years ago, if you went back in time, uh, or 15 years, what was a Boxer, Ferrari Boxer worth? Like a 512 BBI. Yeah. I... I I have no idea. Fifty. Grand? I know. I wasn't, I wasn't even really looking back then. What were they going for? I'm curious to know because I have no experience with Ferrari values, but I'd love to because now they're I think ridiculously. Five full BVIs are still attainable, like eighty grand, maybe ninety. I don't know Ferrari. And now it's three hundred. Maybe two fifty. Yeah. I mean, Ferraris do rocket in price. They really do. It just seems like they're special models, like the five fifty. And I, uh, I think the five fifty is going to be very special because it's just, the, especially if you can get one in a manual. There are so few made with manual transmissions. And and to find a 575, which is really just an updated version of the same car, it's literally quite impossible. I've looked high and low for a manual 575. Nothing. Yeah. So will a Lotus Esprit ever appreciate? Oh, absolutely. It, yeah, they already it will appreciate, but I don't think that's only same if way. it's a James Bond era uh, car. Yeah, yeah, not the not yeah. the Peter Peter Stevens. The late. There was one. actually a gentleman not far from here a few years ago that was selling one. That the original motor had gone, of course, because it was what it was. Uh, so he replaced it with a spare Grand National motor that he had that was making like 600 horsepower. I'd buy that. Sick. I'd buy that. And it was dollar. like 25 grand. And I had I had the money at the time, and I had to exercise a lot of self restraint. Chris, you'd never be able to tell me anything about my motor goods if you actually bought a Lotus, Lotus Esprit with a Grand. Actually, yeah, no, that'd be the most reliable Lotus Esprit yeah, rolling around. Lotus Esprit. Yeah, most reliable motor, Lotus Esprit. Think about what you just said there, Chris. <laughs> Well, I, uh, one time I test drove like a, a 90 or a 91. Yeah. Face and one, right? the uh, cable linkage broke, like the throttle linkage broke yeah. as I was driving it. That's scary. I was like, this is hopeless. <laughs> yeah, they're not exactly known for their build quality. But as late as 99 or 2000, uh, Porsche, or what is it? I, the Porsche of Manhattan, which represents a lot of brands, uh, had, was a Lotus dealer and had brand new... Lotus Esprit, which is the last of the Esprit. Mm-hmm. What, I don't know what year. Well, they built them up to 2002, I think. Well, then I drove one of the last ones. It seems as though Lotus has kind of stagnated, though. Ever oh, since absolutely. They, they, they can't put the Evora out. They haven't been able to really sell them particularly well. The Elise isn't even legal to sell through a good portion of the modern world at this point. So... What the hell are they doing with themselves? Uh, we were just talking engineering. About they're still doing contract work, like for Hyundai, because okay. the new Genesis was. I mean, they've always suspension. been the suspension guys that you go to when you need a little help. But the right. thing is, though, the Avora was the car that when I drove it, it changed my worldview about cars, and now that's been replaced by the four C. Let's go back to Lotus because when I was in high school, I learned to drive stick on an Isuzu, an '87 Isuzu Impulse. Oh yeah, and I have yeah. yes. And on the window it said suspension by Lotus. Suspension by I Lotus. I knew nothing about cars when I was 15. I said to my, uh, 16. I said to my friend, "What does that mean?" And he's like, that "After awesome. after you master the manual transmission, I'll show you." These, the, and yeah. and that really changed my life. People don't know about the Impulse. The Impulse was a, it was a cool little car. The Impulse it was a RS. 1.6 yeah. turbo with all wheel drive. DOHC all-wheel drive, yeah, and funky electronic, uh, the electronic seat belts, and, and the it goofy was, half-hidden headlights. It was the WRX fifteen years before Subaru ever thought of it. I People don't it. know about the first-gen Impulse too, which was the Piazza elsewhere in the world that was designed by Gugaro. Gugaro. The super wedgy car that was a rear wheel oh, drive. Rear wheel drive. I really, really, really want one of those. So, Lotus Impulse. Have you guys seen one on the road? Yeah. Yes. I've I seen an Impulse you. RS. 
So when I was in college, one of my very close friends, biggest Suzu guy, he's a master GM master. Now he runs, uh, he runs like CarMax of Miami at this point. So he's huh. done fairly that well. That sounds like a reality show. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you, this, CarMax guys do okay. The uh, he had he bought an Impulse. I, I remember freaking out. He got an Impulse with like six thousand miles on it for three grand. Ooh. An R, the, the Lotus tuned one? Yes, the RS. The RS for he bought it for three grand. I'd buy yes. that tomorrow. I buy it tonight. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. that's and, awesome. And he that's just got rid of it a little while ago. He had that thing. He had done a turbo swap. He actually they weren't even making uh, shocks and everything for it anymore. So he actually built his own suspension for the car. Jeez, well, I would love to and drive one of those. It was like his great. was almost four hundred horsepower. Too. You know, there's a there's a guy. You know. There's a guy out there named Adam Barrera. There's who, always a guy. Yeah, he's he kind of floats in and out of the PR slash journalism worlds, and he's the most, um, he, he is one of the most emotional and enthusiastic well car guys out there. And he owns two RSs, a Stylus, and a Suzuki SX4. There's no man on the planet more obsessed with the Suzus and Suzukis than him. I can name Would one you get him car on a podcast? that he doesn't own and should. What? Which is the Subaru Citroen S7? No. There was a Subaru. SVX? Yes. Ooh, yeah. The SVX. That's good. Uh, that I, that the wind, feels like funny windows. That feels yes. like a very Blake car to me. I'd love to get one. Are you kidding? Yeah. And I love that the, the gear great. shifter looked like the uh, control handle for the uh, the yoke for the F14 yeah. Fighter Alley game. And I remember the overdrive <laughs> button was like a trigger. Yep. <laughs> and you could put your hand in it and you really thought. You might be able to go side to side and fly. It was awesome. Yeah. That was a, that was an interesting car. Flat, that was flat uh, six and uh, Gigaro again. That was that was the car, if I remember correctly, that almost sank Subaru at one point. Yeah, because it was insanely expensive well, to build and sell. The windows were you could only open a third of them, like half flip. It up. was like all the appeal of Lamborghini windows with none of the rest of the Lamborghini. And yeah. the best part <laughs> is, in in certain parts of LA, you can get one for three grand. <laughs> Less, I think. Oh, less, actually. Uh, yeah. that, that is right up there. buys you a decent uh, and I put this in the same boat as, as your beloved 300ZX of used turbo cars from the late 80s and early 90s. I wouldn't touch oh, with you a can't 10-foot even, pole. You can't even well, find a, a turbo 300ZX for if that much. You said days. that BMW is golden. I said, we all agreed, 2002 was the year of BMW. The year, But yes. I remember going to the New York Auto Show in 1990, and Nissan's big campaign was, you know... 1990 was is year 901 of Nissan. Where this is like 901 because we're going to be number one in every category they're in. And you look at their lineup back then. I had a 90 Nissan Maxima SC. They were strong. It was awesome. Yeah, the Nissan 300Z Twin Turbo. Twin Turbo ZX was awesome. We had our family had our family had a 92 Sentra, and that thing just ran and ran and ran and ran. And the 240 was also a great. There was a sport version. The 240 is a beloved car now. Great car. And uh, there was the Sentra SER. Yes. Yep. Was that was great. Maybe the first like hot Japanese import that we had. And so every well, car they made was great. Well, we had great. we had like you know C- CRX SIs and stuff like that. And before that, there were like the Celicas, the seventy seventy one Celicas and stuff. And if you want to keep going before that, I mean, even the Suzuki. I'm thinking of the the. You know the '90s front-wheel drive Japanese import craze. Remember the Honda Accord the CRX, Coupe yes. With the Honda Prelude with rear steering. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend who had one in high school. A friend of mine. Has they one. were. Um, Why'd that go away? Rear steering. 
Because the rear steering on the 300ZX, I can tell you for sure, that's scary high speeds. <laughs> scary. The uh, wheels move parallel to the front wheels, so for like high speed stability. Well, we had the weird. former marketing director for, of Honda in here, and he had, you know, he had basically swore up and down. He goes, some of the dumbest things they ever did was get rid of the RSX, get yeah. rid of the Prelude, uh-huh. and kill off the Element, because those were three cars that did exceptionally well for them. And now they've completely lost those market segments altogether. The Prelude was cool. You know, the the late 80s, early 90s Accord and the Prelude were like, you know, brother and sister cars. Yeah. And they were really clean designs. And, Prelude uh, has always been a really great looking car, yeah. even the la- especially the last gen. Yeah, yeah the last gen was a last handsome gen was car. A very the problem car. I always had with it at that age was, of course, and, and I still do to a certain extent now, is that it was a front wheel drive car. It right, could have been right. so incredibly good as a rear wheel drive car. Mm. Honda really doesn't need something simple like that, you know, just a just a rear wheel drive car that's as simple as you get. Honda They'll is never do Honda that. is. You know, a company that marches exclusively to the beat of their own drummer. Right. They never care about anything. I mean, this is the company that has said, we will never build an eight-cylinder motor because six is enough. Mm, right. You know, not for any particular reason other than just, uh, you know, Mr. Honda at one point said six is fine. Yeah, mm. which is fun, funny because the their JGTC race car has a ten-cylinder engine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and the NSX was supposed to be a ten-cylinder, exactly. which I was really Did, hoping what, for. Didn't they, at one time, the first-gen Acura legend, wasn't it rumored at one time to maybe come with an eight, and then they... Yeah, because they were trying to go up against Lexus. Mm. And... Uh, as it turns out, they wasn't actually didn't need it in that case. They wasn't that the first Honda with a V6? I think I it was. Know. I, I think, think it was. I don't think so. I mean, maybe you're right. Because yeah, because Accords after that were offered with sixes. Right. I remember the uh, the Acura Legend, and they had the, there was the Sterling. Remember yes, that? Yes, the Sterling mm-hmm. 825i, which yeah. is the Rover, and I yeah. think they sold three of them. It, and it was the, a very good looking car, though. It was funny because that was there were people who were fooled by that rebadging. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like hard oh, to understand. Yeah, yeah Honda said that anyone fell for that. In, yeah, in England, the Rover took a bunch of Hondas and somehow made them less reliable. That's just <laughs> that's just an engineering feat strange. to its own. That is, that is a feat. That yeah. I will say, a, lo- a long forgotten rebadging mistakes because uh, yeah, many are remembered. Zach Balon's there with the Mercor. Maricor uh, XR4Ti? Maricor Those are anything. fun cars, though, man. I saw a Scorpio the other I day. I love the Ford Scorpio. Oh, what a so great It was car. cool. Good-looking car. It really was. Uh, there's, there's, and now an, a- an a- Audi A7 looks like, looks like a skinnier yeah. Scorpio. Yeah. You're right. I also like so, the Rover ST1. Come yes. to think of Alex, it. you'll yeah. appreciate this. There's an R5 Turbo that kicks around the streets here. Really? Yes. Oh, yes. Wide body? Yes. Yeah, the whole yeah, thing. I've seen that. Yes. <laughs> wow. It's black. It's somewhere in the neighborhood here. There are some interesting cars in this neighborhood. I, I was say. told by a guy uh, at some sports car consignment shop down here somewhere who said he had a guy who was bringing one in. And I'm like, I would do well, any, they are 25 years anything old for that car. And he said, Alex, I wouldn't sell that to you for any amount of money because I like you. <laughs> You'll be dead, but probably not before it breaks down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. But damn, that thing is—it's a cool car. My friend, I mean, there's a there's a Peugeot 505 sedan that kicks around that uh, neighborhood near my house. I like that. And oh. my, my friend in Finland, Auntie, well, he's been on the podcast before. He's got a 205 XS, which is a GTI in right. name only. I had a GTI 1.6 for like two weeks, uh, and then I had to move back to the United States. That was a great car. So on the topic nice. of, of European cars, now Alpha has said they want to take one of their midsize models, and, and you'll have to forgive me that I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. Julietta. And actually, was it Julietta? Maybe. Uh, That's the only mid-sized car they have now. And 
Yeah, I think it might have been Juliet. Their lineup's really uh, woeful And right they now. want to actually try and attempt to be an M3, M4 competitor. See, that's because they're switching to an all-rear-wheel drive platform for the next few years. An entire uh, lineup, one platform, rear-wheel drive. I'm going to confess that if they brought a car like that back, I'm not sure I'd buy one because I'm, I'm getting old, but yeah. uh, but I'd, I'd rather have that than the BMW. Oh, it's got more personality, no doubt. Personality-wise, probably will sound better. I guess probably look better. the question is now, with the drastic fall in reliability of German cars over the last 15 years and the... You know, and the increase in Italian quality, are they now on an even footing? Oh, that's weird. That's weird. Because uh, what they told me... What they we've told now me, entered the Twilight Zone. Uh-huh. I can't answer that. Uh, but I'd say that the interior quality of BMW has definitely fallen to a level. I'm not talking about design. Quality of interior materials has fallen low enough that... An Italian company could march in and certainly make an interior as good. What they told me when I drove the 4C was that uh, it comes with the same five-year, 100,000-mile warranty as every other Chrysler product. Okay. Pretty generous. Think about that. Think about that. The, yeah, the 4C is a car I really want to spend some time with. I think I really it's it sucks that they're forcing first-year buyers. To, they're only making available the launch edition model, which is like an extra almost... Twelve grand, I believe, above the yeah, it's regular It's like a seventy thousand dollar car. Yeah, that's that's the Porsche theory. Is you release the Boxster S, you release the Cayenne S. Yeah. But then two years later, you can get a Cayenne, which is a real dog. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so, wait, there is, and the, the first Boxsters to come out was the Boxster S. Right. Well, but and with then, the with the four seat, there's no mechanical difference. It's just badging crap. And suspension. Wait, actually. are you serious? It's suspension there's and... No, there's no power upgrade? The exhaust is uh, different. So. No. I, uh, well, you do get a number plate. I think it's... it's in theory, it starts at like 58 or 59, but you can only buy the launch edition this year. So... How much is the the uh, average boxer leaving the lot uh, dealer for? Probably 90 all right, so yeah. the 4C is a bargain even at that premium price. No, I think the Boxster starts at like, I think, 58, and then the Boxster S is the like 70 or something. But you never see a Boxster come off a dealer lot for less than 70. Exactly. No. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, I have a very close friend that has a base Boxster that he got a steal on because it was very it was very specifically built for one customer. It was stickered at like almost $90,000. <laughs> For a base Boxster, he got a steal on it because they they couldn't get rid of the car. Right. But yeah, you can option a base Boxster up to hundred. I've to I've, base nine eleven numbers. I've driven a hundred five thousand dollar Cayman S. Yeah, so. Porsche pricing is crazy, but at least the interiors now reflect the pricing, which they didn't. Yeah, three they're years much ago. better. They are much much better. That is for sure. Especially if you get the leather package. Yeah, the seats I will say in the nine nine one were fantastic. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, but then again, you look at Singer, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're still nicer nuts. than any Porsche, any price built today. Yeah. Now, we, we were talking in the car. Now, what car would you want to seniorize? <laughs> my um, on my 928 GT manual. <laughs> there's. We were just talking about that when we were recording TST yesterday, is that there's rumor now that Singer's going to be doing 928s. No, no, no way. No. That's no not. Way. That's not. That can't be true. I, no. I, I might believe that about nine nine threes. That would that would drive the values of nine twenty eights up. So Alex, you could make pretty. There's cool no way that. they're doing nine twenty eight. It's impossible. The market isn't there, and there aren't enough cars out there in like even worth restoring. It's, that was I. I Who told you that. That's a joke I cracked in the podcast last week. <laughs> yeah. 
about my dream on, singer. On which podcast? Uh, Jalopnik. No, on Drive. Drive. On Drive? Yeah. Matt was saying it yesterday. Maybe that's, I cracked that joke to oh, him. Okay. There's no way that's true. I mean, there, I'm, there's rumors <laughs> of the 993 singer. See, all I got was there were rumors coming back from Pebble that Singer's going to do a 920. I cracked that joke, and the rumor okay. has spread. Because I own a, a, a 91 manual transmission 928 GT, which is the second best one they ever made. <laughs> and yep. you talk about your uh, 550 that you want so badly. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you thought 928s would ever appreciate. Uh really pristine ones, but there's very few of those. Because, you know, the last, the GTS one, the last one, Currently, they're running 70 to 100, which is pretty much what they cost new. Yeah. But if you go one year earlier to 91, one model down, which is mine, it's 20. They're going to they're gonna appreciate as much as Lotus Esprit. As much as singerizing rumors come and go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, we're running with that. We're going to start a new universe exclusive now. Um, um, yeah, 928. It's going straight Okay. So, um, I think... You think my 928 will ever appreciate? I understand. Yeah. I think your 928 is going to appreciate. And Are we it's coming be great. to the end of the show? I think. Um, yeah, we're uh, we've uh, actually we're gone over an hour. Over no an way. hour. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to ask Alex, what have you been up to lately? I don't talk about me. I'll come back you? another time and talk to you about that. I'm going to go back to and shoot something for Drive. I'm in LA now. So you are going to shoot something for Drive. I'm going to shoot Drive. Glorious return to Drive. I'm also working on uh, the big the, the big project is the global circumnavigation driving record is. 21 days and like ah, 11 so hours Ah, so we're talking about this now. Uh, now we're talking about it. Not as much. I mean, yeah. I, look, look, you know something? Ed Bullion came along, and this will have to wait until another, another time, and claims to have broken uh, the 3104 record. I've never seen any evidence, and I only know two people who've seen that. Uh, and I'll never do the, you know, run across country again, but the next big one is the Around the World Drive, and that's a three- to five-year project. I don't know if I'll break it with the team we're, we're assembling, and we'll be talking to you guys about coming along. Yeah. Nice. But whoever's dumb enough to try, succeed or fail, I think that's the biggest drive there is. Yeah. And that's kind of the – Unless you drive yeah, to the Because, movie. I mean, we've been talk- – we started talking about this three, year, two, three, three, three years, years ago. ago. Yeah. And, you know, it's percolating more now, and JF and I have been talking about it. And now, you know, with the, uh, you know, smoking tire and, and drive and, like, all the press that our team is getting – you know, we're closer to uh, assembling a group of journalists that we could pack into a six-car convoy. That sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, we did. It. I mean, all cars came to go to heaven came out in June. Uh, we're in pre-production on another one. All cars go to heaven is clearly does not include French cars. <laughs> no, no. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I think this fits nicely into kind of the theme of what we've been up to, and that. Do another do another uh, adventure. It will be something. Oh, that sounds like a wonderful uh, adventure. And actually, the, the other thing that I was talking about to Jeff about today, uh, if anyone is listening to this who is interested in what I'm about to say, please contact me on my Facebook page. Um, I, I want to do a series where I take my Morgan three-wheeler around different major cities uh, with a transponder in the car. And I know this is illegal, but I don't care. I'll do it with a drone at about 100 feet up following me through like traffic in different cities and do like a loop of like 10 different cities but watching the car from a drone I think it's just a cool idea and it's also a test bed for the round the world drive which I think three years from now we will have drones with sufficient speed and endurance to follow a high speed convoy I think you could gorilla a a reasonable drive through most cities 
You know, you might not be able to keep that drone up the entire time, but I think you could probably do a few loops and get enough footage. Fifteen minutes? I think that's possible. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. So, no, you're going to have to drive this Morgan 3-wheeler to these cities. Well, that that's the part. problem. And I, I mean, I'll end my contribution to this episode by saying the Morgan 3-wheeler is the most fun thing you could drive with more than two wheels. It's also yeah. less reliable than a Citroen SM. Which huh. is amazing. If that, if the Morgan 3-wheeler was thirty grand instead of sixty five, I would tell everyone right now to go buy one. And it is. It's called the Polaris Slingshot. Not, but not as it's cool. not the same, not but you know what I mean? Is cool. is if you're looking for the three-wheeler thing, that's as close as you're going to get. And the good news is I'm selling one of my three-wheelers soon, and ah. I'm desperate to give it away. And in a few years, their prices will drop to the 30 range, and then snap them up, because the warranty's one year anyway, and it can be fixed by an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a very... It's a Harley motor boat with a Miata transmission. So if I ever bought but guess one, what? it My s and S motor blew a gasket, and my Miata transmission just failed. Signing out. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. Man, and on that bombshell. Alex, do you have anything to plug besides the uh, future projects? No. Uh, Where can they find you? Where can our fine audience find you? You find me, uh, Alex Roy, on Facebook uh, until I relaunch my blog, which I um, will be doing sometime You're next month Twitter? or two. I haven't checked Twitter in years. I'm too old. I'm not smart enough. <laughs> well... On that, uh, I guess if you guys want to do a podcast, you've got any idea for uh, doing your own show, or you just want to scream into a microphone for no apparent good reason, uh, I'll list some news channels. Um, go to shoutengine.com and get your free podcast hosting. We'll set you up. Uh, we got great analytics, and uh, it's what powers this, TST, and most of the other automotive stuff you probably listen to. And you can find me at BZRONG on Twitter and Instagram, where I have my collection of great uh, Moto Goatsy pictures Go- Goatsy whatever you want to call Moto it Moto Goatsy Moto Goatsy and uh, you can find pictures of Pebble Beach from when I you know when I was just yeah and look out for uh, Blake at the 24 hour lemon party great mm. when's that um, I don't know I'm thinking it's probably in a warmer time of the year uh, I'll come it's, it's it'll probably be in Florida somewhere yeah yeah it sounds like a place for it maybe Arizona who knows gross Chris thanks for having me Blake you're the man thanks thanks